Welcome to the Harrisburg Brethren in Christ Church podcast. My name is Ryan Cagno. The HPIC podcast brings you weekly episodes on the topic of discipleship, where we'll sit down with members of the HPIC family to hear their stories, hear about the different ways people at HPIC are pursuing discipleship, in other words, how they are learning to follow Jesus' example and obey his teachings in their daily lives in practical ways. This week I sat down with Sheldon and Marietta Sawatsky to hear about a group that they are um, leading, have been leading for the last year and a half in their own home. Um, Really cool situation where they have worked to kind of bridge the gap between members of HBIC and then members, uh, their neighbors in their um, apartment community that they live in downtown. Uh, Some of the fruit and stories that have come out of that and just kind of the, the cool things God's doing there as they seek to be a presence of faithfulness and love in their apartment building. So um, enjoy this. It's a really good one. And uh, see you next time. Sheldon and Marietta Sawaski, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for making the time. Um, I wanted to have you in to talk about uh, the small group that you have been leading the past year and a half now, I guess, um, at Riverview Manor. Is that It's Manor, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, down on Front Street. Um, just, I think there's some really cool things happening, and you guys have been inspiring to me and um, what you've been trying to do down there. Um, so maybe just start by, you know, um, what kind of guides you to as a couple, kind of the lifestyle and some of the practices that then kind of led into and flowed into this group? Yeah. This has sort of been our lifestyle through all our marriage, and that is... Um, opening our homes, sharing our lives with people. Uh, Someone once told me that you don't really know people unless, and they don't know you, unless you, they have been in your home and you have been in theirs. And there is something that uh, tells people when you invite them into your home. So this has been part of our life through all of our marriage, wherever we've lived overseas or in the U.S., uh, Reaching out to particularly to neighbors and trying to build relationships with them. Some have been long-standing and continuing, and uh, some God used for shorter periods of time. We've always uh, thought of our homes as not ours but God's, the Lord's place. We've always dedicated our homes for His purpose, for His use, and so yeah, people are welcome anytime even if they don't take off their shoes. <laughs> Which I assume would be, because uh, well, you spent a lot of time living in East Asia, right? Where that right. would have been a more of a rigid faux pas. Right. And so we just kept up that <laughs> custom. Yeah. yeah. Now, you, you've lived many different places in your life. Is that fair to say? In, in different homes, apartments, right. et cetera. Um, do you know how many different homes you guys have had in your married life? Uh, we calculated one time it was 25 different and, homes. And 25 I counted according to the time we were there long enough to set up a pantry. So uh, it could have been three months uh, summer internship or um, that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, it did number 25. And there were times where in Taiwan where we moved uh, four times within five years with three little children, too. (laughs) So we've been on the move. Yeah. I I would assume in that scenario, home 
takes on a different meaning in some sense. It's not, it's never been as locked in to necessarily this specific brick and mortar situation or this specific set of bedrooms and bathrooms and whatever, but. We have we have had very special homes though that stand out to us, and uh, and we also have many stories of how God gave us those homes when we needed them. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I ever wrote a book, that would be my my theme: the home, the homes that God gave it to us. Yeah, and the ways that and that would tie in then with the fact that you are very conscious and intentional about using the homes that you've been given to bless others and host others. And I just, the reason I asked about how many homes is I just, I would imagine, you know, um, you, you view your space a little differently. And part of that is how missional you guys have been in your whole life and how willing to move and, and kind of be open and hospitable through that experience. It's very interesting. So that's part of it. Hospitality and the way you use your, your home has been, um, has factored into you wanting to open it in this way to people. Um, and then I guess kind of the relationships you've built over the last 11 years, you've been in Harrisburg with the church at Riverview Manor. Yes. Uh, we marked uh, 11 years now that we have lived permanently in Harrisburg. And that has been the longest stretch we've ever had. Up to that point, we had two six-year stretches. Other than that, it was much shorter times. Um, so, um, since we've been here, uh, we intentionally got involved in some programs here at HBIC. Um, uh, early on, Sheldon led a group, uh, discussing the radical. You want to say something about that? Right. We met on a, actually met on a Sunday night here at church and, uh, studied the book Radical and, uh, that was very profitable and very um, challenging. Challenging for everyone to work through that. Prior to that, uh, I led two uh, training sessions for DMM um, using the Discovery Bible Study method. Mm-hmm. DMM being a disciple-making movement. Movement movements and. I think we had a total of about 25 people went through that. It was two, two different times. Uh, then go, moving on to Riverview, uh, why um, we, I've had ladies' Bible studies through the years. We've, uh, and I would say, I would call them, these ladies, nuns, N-O-N-E-S, in that they, uh, at present time, uh, do not are not attending church on a regular basis, although they've had some church background, and uh, not particularly interested in connecting with the church. But we have studied Old Testament stories of Joseph and uh, Daniel, and uh, uh, on into Gospel of John, and so on. We've also done things like hosted game nights. Um, we've had uh, Christmas teas and. Uh, one time, as the first day of spring, we had a tea time with the retired couples in the apartment. Uh, and so this has given us a chance for people to know us and for us to know them. And we know a lot of their stories. We don't know everybody, of course, in the building, but we do know a lot of stories and where these people are coming from. 
Yeah, that's great. Um, an apartment building in that way kind of presents a really interesting context to build relationships with neighbors um, in a unique way, I would imagine. Yes. Because you see each other in the hall yeah. or you see each other at the elevator and sometimes you don't see people for months and then you see them three times in a row. And right. Yeah. They come, they come from a variety of different backgrounds and they come with certain needs and certain uh, issues and some of them openly express how they've been hurt by the church and so they've left and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a, is it a transitory population? Are there people that have lived there a long time? or uh, There are some who have lived there from the beginning and well it opened in 2009 okay. but then there's there's a lot of uh, transition as well particularly among the younger crowd mm. who are, are working, maybe they find a new job or, or they move in with their girlfriend or that kind of thing. Yeah. Us young people are all over the place, I understand. Do I, I don't count that anymore, probably, but. <laughs> so you then had uh, together kind of a desire, an idea to bridge these two relational spheres in your life, right? You've been involved at HBIC and connected. You're trying to reach out to your neighbors, and you kind of wanted to see uh, more people from HBIC connected at Riverview Manor and, and kind of joining you in reaching your neighbors. Could you just flesh out for me and talk to me more about the idea, the heart behind that initial effort? Well, it just seemed like to, for for just church people to get together and have a, when we have good news, why aren't we sharing it with people outside? Mm -hmm. um, and it almost seemed to either a little bit selfish even. Uh, and so how it all sort of came about was uh, during the pandemic, uh, a church group watched the uh, In Pursuit of Jesus video series that was put out by Daily Bread, and Pastor Linda led that. And uh, then, of course, after the pandemic, we thought, well, this might be a good introduction. And... Uh, this series of videos travels to about six different countries, shows how what, what Christian influence is in those countries or where it's lacking and so on. So in the fall of 22, um, we uh, invited, had a few neighbors, and it turned out mostly uh, one person who sort of carry, could carry through uh, another person, um, it was a job came up and time schedule and so on. Uh, so anyway, uh, do you want to go on from there? How we s sort of pursued then the Luke study and... Oh, okay, yeah, after the video series, uh, which the people generally found interesting, particularly the other cultures that... Uh, that were introduced by the uh, by the moderator. Um, then, uh, after the p pandemic, or as the pandemic was easing off, we began uh, a study of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, 
We used a study book uh, on Luke and foc which uh, focused on Jesus' ministry to the outcasts, the marginalized, um, and uh, the Outlaws. emphasis on uh, how Jesus um, especially gave attention to women. Uh, and and others and so that was a very uh, very good time of, of discussion and uh, that was spring of twenty three that we covered the book and then it seemed the next study when we talked about what the next study should be the logical one was to continue Luke's Luke's second book mm -hmm. uh, the book of Acts and uh, so we we. We really uh, prayed for, over the summer and uh, through the months, we prayed for more neighbors, and I prayed specifically for three, uh, but as of the beginning of fall, we have had six neighbors there at least one time. Now, we are down to three regular people that we can count on. Uh, so... Uh, We'll talk a little bit later that part of this is the work of prayer as well. And um, so... Uh, and from HBIC? And from HBIC, we've had young couples, and then we also have had um, several um, single women, and uh, mm -hmm. it's just been a good uh, blend and a good diversity and... Uh, the young people have been a real testimony to our neighbors uh, because, yeah, they just didn't think that young people would ever come to a Bible study, especially on a Tuesday night. And um, one lady even asked, you know, how do these young people, how, how do they, how do they, um, you know, faith and science, how do they put that together? You know, is there an assumption that just, their generation of people, their, the younger generation, would default towards non-belief, or at least on the part of some of them had that uh, concept. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to tell a crystal story now? You go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, we we really there was one neighbor uh, who we felt was was really uh, her coming was really a God thing, and that is. Uh, the young a young couple came to our door, but for some reason the the door didn't open as it should, and so she happened to be there. She's a resident. She happened to be there and opened the door for them, and then asked what they where they were going. So they told her uh, they were going to the Bible study in three hundred nine, and um, so then she inquired about. It. She said she was thinking of coming, but she wasn't sure if it was open to. Um, seekers and uh, but she had an interest in in the study in study the Bible. Well, anyway, I was able to look her up, find out which neighbor it was, and she also has admitted when we talked to her that this was a God thing, even from her standpoint, because she sort of wanted to come but was a little bit intimidated. So. Um, she has, is a, a regular person, and uh, she comes with uh, many questions of, uh, uh, regarding faith, and uh, 
but is is very um, has been very appreciative of the opportunity to come and join us. That's cool. I didn't know that's how she uh, got connected with it. Yes. You told me that she's. I mean, she's like a reader. She's intellectually interested in yes. re- a wide swath of religion. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And, you know, the sense is all religions are good and they all lead to to God. To the same. To the same end. Yes. Know. So. Well, but I can't think of two people more uniquely equipped to <laughs> walk her through, <laughs> you know, your acquaintance, your, you know, with, with different faith traditions and other things and kind of, right. at least I would imagine like Buddhism and some things to where Buddhism, you could, Taoism, yeah. Yeah. But I think we're we're actually learning a lot through the process. I'm learning a lot through the process, because I think uh, in Asia we could be a lot more blunt, uh, and in this in this um, group or in this society, let's just say society, uh, we have to be very more much more careful to allow space uh, to not. Put someone down right away. In fact, she at one point said, uh, well, all are the same. And she told me later that when she said that in the group, she saw everybody's face drop. Mm. And so, but not necessarily disapprovingly. I mean, not to be put off by that. But it was really interesting that she took up that uh, nonverbal thing, and we had her at, for a tea time, and then we could talk to her some more and uh, give her some more reading material. And, um, you know, I think, again, just inviting her, her questions and uh, her continued participation. So this is something that we have to learn, too, to be... Uh, society here is just a little bit different. In Taiwan, you can just ask right away, you know, well, what do you believe? And I believe this, and so on. Yeah. And it's not a, sh- it's not a shame thing, or, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I have a, a close friend from seminary who lives in Palestine, in the West Bank, actually. Uh-huh. Um, and he's talked to me about how even though the vast majority of the people that he associates with are are Muslim or what have you. There's just much more of an openness and a frankness about religious conversation or spiritual conversation. It's just it's more um, a direct part of people's lives, I guess, to one where there's no um, embarrassment or shame or or discomfort in being very direct. <laughs> and I guess the word you used was blunt about mm-hmm. some of these things. It's interesting that that would differ so much from here. Yeah, we found that true when we worked, when we participated with the International Student Ministry of Penn State, mm-hmm. Harrisburg, and became close friends with um, Pakistani mm-hmm. people and had a lot of conversation about religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a quick aside, this isn't necessarily relevant to what you're going to talk about. Why do you think it's so much more tense and... Um, precarious to talk about these things in our culture here? Well, I would say everybody considers himself Christian. I mean, I don't think the, these people who, 
the, their concept is, um, you know, I find it my way. These people have found it their way. Uh, and when we all get to heaven, you know, Jesus is going to receive the those who, you know, worshipped in whatever form. And I just think, I think it comes down to we, people themselves think that they are Christians. If they're moral, if they're living good moral lives, if they believe there is a God. Uh, they don't necessarily they, believe they're Christians, but they believe they are morally good people. And some of them even say we're agnostic or we're atheists in, in our apartment building. Yeah. yeah, but the people I work with, I would say, okay. I would say, if you would say you're not a Christian, you're not going to heaven, they would, they would really, you'd see defiance on that. Yeah, because I give to, I have a, a or, orphan in India too. I support an Indian and, and so on and so forth. So, anyway, I don't know if that's... So, in one sense, we've learned that who we are is more important than what we try to teach in, in, in the context of, of where we are in that, in that milieu of the apartment building, you know, in relating to other people. Um, and... They all recognize that. I mean, they've said it in various ways. Yeah. Yeah. So I, as far as our vision and hope, this is the first thing that I noted, and that was that we have to live as Christians uh, in an authentic way, yeah. and uh, and because people have told us what other Christians have done to them, and so on. Yeah. So. First of all, to earn that kind of trust. And then I would say another, uh, some of our vision is to grow a Christian community uh, of, again, we, we're trying to reflect the, the nature of the, of the church in, with its diversity and intergenerational. Uh, and... Uh, we, our goal is not to be a small church, but to have that same kind of uh, elements and so on. Uh, sharing, uh, Bible study, prayer, sharing each other's concerns and so on. Um, yesterday I sent out a prayer request for two that were uh, ill or couldn't meet on Tuesday night. And so they were very appreciative of that. And anyway, it's, it's a bonding yeah. And one person in the group uh, lost his wife through death way back in July last year and has had a very difficult time working through that and uh, being lonely and not knowing what to do, whether he should go back to his family in Ohio or whether he should stay here or whether he should go back and forth, and uh, all kinds of things that, that really upset him and bother him. And so we've, 
we spent quite a bit of time. Yeah, he poured out his heart to us yesterday. Yeah. As, as personally, and then as a group, praying for him and and. Uh, it's it's wonderful to see. It's something that I would love. Yeah, I, I not that I you need my encouragement. I'm kind of feel like I'm following your lead <laughs> and seeing what you guys do. But to see groups um, pushing past pushing, I don't want to say mere studying of scripture, because I think that's the centering point and the starting point, but pressing into beyond study and into um, sharing life with one another, um, first in terms of voicing and sharing um, our concerns and burdens, but then also rallying around each other in prayer. And I know you've given, you know, transportation support to that man, at least in certain instances. And, um, being really share share life in those ways and help meet each other's needs in those different ways is something that I think whenever we're gathering in groups like this, we ought to be doing. And it's so much more powerful to see it when the group is a, a mix of, you know, folks that we would think of as part of HBIC and then our, our neighbors that are in varying degrees of, you know, connectedness to faith. This week we just studied the... Uh, Acts, the end of Acts 2, about the early church, mm-hmm. how they met together and broke bread together mm-hmm. and sold their possessions and all of that. And um, what we've done every time is after the meeting, we conclude with prayer, and then we gather around our dining room table mm-hmm. for a time of fellowship with refreshments and tea or uh, apple cider or something, and they really enjoy that time of just personally sharing together. You know, so and our yeah. table seats twelve, so we are fortunate. <laughs> yeah, <It's, laughs> yeah. so that it's a good number. <laughs> yeah, so we think that's an important part too of the whole. Yeah. I small I group. Uh, yeah I to the point where. I published that in our discipleship handbook as one of the things that we should, mm. <laughs> a non-negotiable thing is to include food and yeah. include right. the table literally in our meetings together because that breaks down walls. Um, exactly. And it decompartmentalizes. We don't want to treat this thing, you know, uh, we don't want to just isolate ourselves in the depth of our relationship to this sacred separate time of study we want to also eat together and and live together and know one each other know each other in those different ways mm-hmm. just something happens hmm. when we eat together right you know right. something significant that's why jesus yeah. is I, I don't know what percentage of the time in the gospels is either at a meal coming from a meal or going to a meal and, yeah. um, but and, that's it's amazing how prominent that is yeah, eating with publicans and sinners yes right exactly <laughs> so, yes he's just there's a yes yeah, sections of the gospels where it seems like he's just p- party hopping, you know, <laughs> going from function to function. Right. I would just like to add to that uh, the contribution that the young adults have made. I've already alluded to that, but um also I think, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, older people teaching younger people, but I think this is is mutual both ways. And um you know, we 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 can learn from them. And, uh, yeah, and so I, I think it's just, uh, we, we have 
been intergenerational so much of our our ministry. I mean, we've had young people, one church, one people, young people could come at any time and even bring their lunchbox and eat with us and so on. And so that that's very refreshing to us. And um, and I think this keeps us young. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, but I think so. <laughs> you guys don't need much help with that. To be, I'm not not to. Yeah, I'm just being honest. You guys, you guys do okay on that on your own. But yeah, yeah, there's power in that. And I think you'd be surprised. And just as a word to um anyone who's listening who would consider themselves part of maybe the older contingent in the church, um you'd be surprised how eager a lot of younger people are right. for intergenerational fellowship. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I've yeah. been in, I was in a young adult ministry maybe 10 years ago where there were uh, one or two couples and then a single person all in their late seventies or eighties that would regularly come to our young adult Bible study gatherings, you know, and, and initially they kind of balked, you know, uh, they didn't think they necessarily had much to offer to young people or that they weren't interested or that the gap between our ages was too wide. It was 50, 60 years, but, um, you'd be surprised. I think I'd imagine you found this or you already knew this, like how valuable someone in their twenties finds time with, you know, people of different generations and people that have walked farther down the road than them. And to hear your humility in naming the fact that you learn from them as well and that it's a mutual kind of um, blessing is really important. Yeah, Marietta said that, you know, we we never stop learning. And so as we've gone along with different kinds of groups, um, we keep altering or changing things and the format and so forth. And the previous study on Acts, we followed uh, a book, you know, with Luke. The previous study. Of Luke. I mean, Luke. Yeah, and we, you know, we followed discussion questions in the book and so forth. This time, we wanted we may we are making the study of Acts more of an inductive kind of study, and so um, this this week. Uh, usually we just ask a few questions, yeah. This week uh, we asked, you know, after reading the passage, was there anything you found interesting? And number two, was there anything you want to clarify or ask questions about? And the third question, did something touch your heart in terms of application, what it means to you? And... um, so we keep we keep using or trying out different different ways, different methods, different angles for for the study. Yeah. And I would also say um, one of the ladies introduced the uh, Acts of Acts of the Apostles um, video. So we have shown, and it follows the sort of the NIV version. Uh, and so we have used the section uh, that we're studying, uh, showing that. And then this past week, when we also had the healing of the man of the temple, we sang, um, 
help me out. <laughs> he was walking and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping and praising God. Anyway, uh, you know, so we try to add some some things that, uh, you know, a few elements there that sometimes even is Sunday school songs. <laughs> yeah. and anyway, keep it fresh. Keep it fresh, flexible, and, try yeah. things. And when we study, you know, talking about Pentecost and coming to the Holy Spirit, one of our young people is an artist, mm-hmm. and uh, we commissioned him to draw a picture. Of what what that might look what like. What that might look like, and he, it was very good, yeah. Oh. Who is that? John. Oh, John. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that about him. Okay. Uh-huh. He, yeah, he's, he's a talented guy. I knew, yeah, I've learned he can play piano very well. I didn't know he could yeah. draw. That's good. That is really cool. Um, if you would be able to summarize, like, what your ultimate hope for this group would be, your kind of vision, purpose statement. I mean, you're already realizing it, I think, or discovering it <laughs> as you go along. But what would your hope be, you know, looking back on this five years from now? or I would say ultimately our hope is to to bring people either to faith or to deepen their faith. Uh, we're not trying in any way to compete with the church group. Uh, the church as the institutional church, but uh, make this a community. And I think, um, I think it's also uh, we need to keep working on application. So many times that's sort of the part that gets neglected. How are we, what are we going to do about this? Um, and, um, and then I would, also, I would also say, I think another thing we have realized, and we sort of, sort of has been coming out every week, time before we have a meeting, that God will send the people that should be there. And that's kind of surprising, but it also frees us. Because, for instance, this past week, there were five people. Three, three were three were for illness, including emotional illness, and two were on a trip. So we had a had a smaller group, but you know, there was something that happened in that group that would not have happened in the bigger group. And uh, a new person came, uh, could be introduced to the group, make a, a connection. Uh, I think she even is getting a Thanksgiving invitation because of that, because uh, she was going to be alone. You know, and afterwards I said, okay, uh, and some feedback from another lady, and I said, you know, you know, we can still say God, God directed those people to be there, uh, and we've noticed that there are different scenarios according to the people that are there for that particular time. We want all to be there, but if we still ask God to send the right ones. So that's a matter of, of prayer, I think, uh, continually for, and that the right dynamics, when you have such diversity and, you know, you can have interesting dynamics sometimes. So, but it's worked out, I think, overall really quite well. Okay, any comment? What would be your, you would say about your overall summary? <laughs> 
Yeah, I would concur with that, you know, for believers to grow in their faith and those who are seeking, uh, that they might come to a point of belief and faith as well, you know. So, yeah. We still have to make Jesus the center. Mm -hmm. Jesus has to be the center. Uh, we are present Jesus in a way that he is, wants to be seen. And uh, so we trust that that message will come through through our lives, through the group, through the HBIC group, and so on and so forth. Um, we begin each time with, you know, just a short time of getting acquainted if there are new people and so forth, or an icebreaker. But then we always ask a question like, in the past two weeks since the last meeting, have... Um, have, has, have you experienced a God sighting or... Um, Last night we asked, uh, yeah. how, have, how has God provided for you? And it was really interesting because the one young couple had just... Ha God had provided a car for them. And it's been a long, you know, struggle for them. And so it was uh, just a great time for them to share. You know, I resonate so much with the... I've been in so many different types of group times where, yeah, the, the variability from week to week on who's there and not there, and you can walk in and you can almost have a sense of disappointment or people in the room might even feel like, oh, where is everybody? Mm -hmm. um, but then you realize by the end, like, the people that needed to be here, the exact people that needed to be here were here. It's amazing how often that happens. Right. And it's a reminder of the character of the work that we're about right. in these right. settings. You know, the, the work of the gospel is, it's small and slow and, and involves being faithful alongside individuals for the long haul. Mm -hmm. You know, my secret hope for your guys as a group was always that you'd uh, take over the entire apartment building and have, you know, uh, <laughs> 78 people at your Bible study and stuff. Uh, I, I don't imagine that that hope necessarily aligns with God's purposes and how he's going to, how he is going to work it out. Maybe so, but I always then need to be reminded um, that our God tends to work through, you know, the five people that need to be there, be in there and, and, the opportunity for this new person to connect in a certain way and be blessed um, and for cars to be provided and these little needs to be met. Um, that's not a little need. It's a, it's a big need, but um, the faithfulness of walking alongside them and, and being flexible and being a committed presence of Christ's love. Um, well, we're, we're impressed that, you know, our average attendance has been 10 and we have had two two times up to twelve, which usually a small group is. That's not usually even a small group. Uh, so, but it's it's interesting. Uh, on Wednesday night, uh, as we were going to come to church, why one of our neighbors was on the elevator with us, and we said, "Oh, 
we're going out to dinner. And he says, oh, where are you going? And we said, oh, we're going to church community meal. So he wanted to know what about it. And so uh, what, what's your, what's your uh, menu? I said, well, I don't know until we get there. <laughs> and so, and then I told him, I said, well, come along with us sometime. And so I really think he will. And he's, he's the president of our HOA. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> so if we get the president and the vice president, why? Then, my, should... then Ryan's dream's not dead. They're still, <laughs> it's not still on the horizon yet. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So just God, God has to just put us at the right place at the right time. Yeah, I'm going to keep praying for it. And you guys will have to just figure out how to manage it. But um, <laughs> Well, we're getting into the community room now, so. You are? Okay. <laughs> well, slowly. Hopefully. <laughs> slowly. Bring your own chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring your own chair or pillow or whatever. Uh, man, is there any way we could, people that are listening to this or me, could pray specifically for your group and what's going on? I know, you know, prayer is so vital in these circumstances. I would just say consistency. Uh you know, sometimes we meet twice a week, twice a month, uh, but there's a five, uh, five, a month with five Tuesday nights, and then we, it, it's a longer gap, and I think, I don't know exactly if we should do anything about that, uh, to keep consistency, uh, and uh, yeah, and that people will not... Uh, give up, you know, uh, it's much easier to get started than to sometimes reach the finish. So, and, uh, we just hope that there's enough enthusiasm and interest and, uh, study that they will want to keep on. So, and we welcome any new people that want to come. I mean, either, either young people from the church or, or others, so, and for us who give leadership, that you know, we would be sensitive, spirit sensitive, and um, um, God's guidance in giving leadership, and best ways to do that. And I would add energy. It take it does take energy to to host a group like that mm -hmm. and so uh yeah all right well your prayer requests will be recorded into perpetuity there they'll be in the cloud forever <laughs> oh, um, <no. laughs> thank you guys for being on the podcast i just commend you both and i hope uh what you're doing is an example because to live with purpose and um intent towards your neighbors like this um, something I think we all ought to be doing um, could look different for different people but um, that people would go back to their homes with that same sense of how am I reaching my immediate neighbors would be a, a, a powerful thing so thanks for sharing your example thank you yep.